0: Hello, everyone, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be joined by. What if that's you? What if you've been asked to appear on a podcast or a panel and you're going to be interviewed? Yes, it's a great opportunity. But will the things you say stop people in their tracks when they're out for a walk, weeding the garden, or driving to work? Today, we take a look at what it takes to really nail that interview, to say things that do get people to turn up the volume and hang on your every word. I'm your host, Andrew Thorpe. Welcome to Leaning Forward. Start by talking about preparation. So when you hear um, really good interviews on professionally produced podcasts, it's no accident that they come across well. Uh, the host has done some research on the guest um, and will often start with a, a small comment that they've made or a line in their book um, as a kind of grabber, an opener. So, for example, Monica Galletti uh, the the TV uh, Master Chef judge and, and chef uh, was interviewed on Desert Island Discs recently by Lauren Laverne, and the host opened with a quote that she'd heard from uh, Monica some time before. Um, she'd said, um, "There's always a problem every day. There's a problem. Uh, the main thing is to keep calm. The last thing the team needs to see is us at the top running the show." Panicking. So, Monica, if there's ever been a time to keep calm, it is now. So, obviously, in that situation, she linked it with the pandemic. It was a nice sort of segue into um, the uh, you know the, the circumstances under which Monica Galetti had had, had had to close her restaurant and was really, really struggling. Um, to, you know, to maintain her um, her professional success, which she'd worked so hard to build. But it's an example, um, the way that, that Lauren Laverne did this, of how you can work with the producers of the show before you record an interview, just to get things off to a nice start. If it's the, um, the Louis Theroux podcast, you don't really need to worry about, you know, contacting the show yourself because they will contact you. But with smaller operations, you might have to take the lead um, and arrange to chat with the host beforehand. And um, don't sort of turn up cold to the interview. Do some preparation first. Make sure that you know your audience. Um, so take advice from the from the interviewer uh, as to the type of people who will be tuning in and um, how long the recording will be. Uh, the topics that you want to explore or they want to explore with you. Um, and how you want to be introduced. And by all means, have some things prepared that you want to say. But don't be too scripted or inflexible when you go live because you want it to sound fresh, um, like a really good conversation. So what about the length of your answers, point number two? Um, Well, obviously not too long and not too short, a kind of happy medium. Um, But obviously you, you might vary the length as well. Uh, If your answers are too long, it limits the ground that the host can cover. um, And it becomes more of a monologue, uh, to be honest. And of course, it's meant to be a conversation. It's meant to be a two-way thing. But if your contributions are too short, um, the interview seems like hard work. There's not enough depth in your content and, and the host might actually run out of questions. And one tip for the opening question Um, Because very often the host will ask you to introduce yourself uh, and your work, you know, say something about yourself for the audience, but don't make this answer too long. Um, Tell people enough so that you position yourself correctly uh, in their minds um, and then allow the host to ease into the interview and maybe pick up on one aspect uh, of your background or your expertise. The third point is to be audience focused um, I mentioned before about you know, checking in with the host uh, to see who's likely to be tuning in. Um, so, although you've been asked on the show to speak about you, um, always have a mind to your audience and what they might be interested to hear about, and don't don't stray too far from the theme that you've agreed to talk about with the host. Um, be wary of using um, industry lingo, uh, technical terms, and acronyms that you know, your audience might not be familiar with. Number four is, is, a, is a really important point, and that is to deliver insight. These interviews um, are really good opportunities to demonstrate your expertise and to build your profile. But remember that, you know, there's a lot of material out there uh, already that you're competing with. So you want the things that you say to really stand out. One of the very first business books that I ever read was *The Purple Cow* by Seth Godin, the uh, the marketing guru. It's it's all about investing in your product to make it remarkable, um, uh, literally meaning worth talking about, uh, rather than you know pushing a mediocre product hard on people by spending lots of advertising. Uh, money or, or, or marketing it hard. Make the product better so that it almost generates some momentum because of its quality and, and how outstanding it is. And one aspect of your product is your content, your your insights, the things that you say during things like interviews or speeches. So business cliches, um, you know, stuff we, we, we learned 15 years ago simply won't do it's not good enough in a in a in a world where there are so many podcasts and so many people being interviewed and putting stuff on social media. And in another episode of Leaning Forward, we, we talked about the three ins. That's information, insight, and inspiration. So if you're delivering information when you speak, it, it might potentially be useful. But if that's all you do, it will come across as a little dry um, and rather inhuman. So really strive to deliver some insight. Um, and by insight, I mean talk about things that we recognize, uh, but maybe give a, put, put a fresh take on them. Frame things in an unusual way. Um, a, a different perspective on something that maybe we thought we understood or tell us something about them that we genuinely didn't know. And this is one of the reasons why TED Talks um, has gained such popularity over the years. Uh, the idea worth spreading is often a new perspective on a familiar theme, and um, whether that's ha- how to tie your shoelaces more efficiently, uh, or how to get the world to take action on climate change. It's why um, the likes of Malcolm Gladwell... And Brené Brown have become hugely successful speakers and authors, uh, thought leaders, because they go deeper than other people on topics that we can relate to. And um, things like first impressions, uh, prejudices um, and vulnerability. So it may well be that you know a great deal about your industry or your area of expertise, but there's a difference between stating the obvious such as you need to save for your pension and giving us real insight into why people don't start doing this earlier. Um, And and psychologists have found that young people don't associate themselves with the retired person in their future. And it feels to them like, like they're just giving money away to someone else, someone they don't recognize. But in many respects, um, you know, delivering insight is is fantastic, but the, the real magic, um, I believe, lies in, in that third layer, the lower layer, where we feel inspired. And why? Well, it should come as no surprise that the best guests on talk shows are invariably the best storytellers, which brings me to number five. So consider how you can educate your audience through stories. If you only describe things in abstract terms, um, you, you won't connect with your audience. It will sound too theoretical. And you're also expecting them to take your word for it, that doing this or that is a good idea. It's almost like a list of things that you're telling them to do, but you're not really helping them picture in their minds you know, what this is about and whether they see themselves in these situations. So stories make things more relatable. They, they paint pictures in our minds. They provide a, a powerful kind of proof, uh, more show than tell. Uh, and if a story involves a personal experience of yours, you're also connecting yourself with your message. And in that sense, it feels more trustworthy, it's more authentic. I put a, a link in the episode notes to a fascinating interview that I came across a while ago with a food writer who lost her sense of smell after contracting COVID. And the story um, is naturally more powerful because of the relevance of smell to her job, but through her personal experience, we as an audience discovered that there's more to smell than meets the eye, um, or maybe that should be the nose. We assume it's um, a physiological issue, but it turns out that there's a lot of psychology involved as well because she had to learn how to smell again. And because she's a journalist, of course, she told that story beautifully. But without her story, all you've got left is an abstract explanation of what smell is, why we lose it, and how we might go about regaining it. It's far better to tell the tale um, and then build some theoretical understanding around what happened and finish with some sound advice. Point number six, in a way I've already touched on this, is to make it personal. So it's an extension of that previous tip on storytelling. It it means you're letting us into your world, into your heart. And of course, it builds trust in our audience. It just feels more authentic because you're weaving your own experiences into your advice. And there's another link in the episode notes to a recent interview between um, the boss of TED Talks. That's Chris Anderson and the Start With Why Man Simon Sinek. Now, Simon always strikes me as a a highly confident and a very knowledgeable and wise man. So it was quite moving in a way to hear him talk of a dip, a real dip in confidence that he experienced during the pandemic and how he and his friends entered into a pact that meant that they would never cry alone they would reach out to each other if they felt anxiety or, or hit some kind of, um, you know, mental wall or, or, or a low. And it struck me as a remarkably vulnerable thing to say from someone who always comes across as very strong, um, and, and very steady. Point number seven is, is a hard word to say, and that's specificity, uh, being specific. <laughs> and I recall, them. Um, A few years ago, I invited a guest expert uh, to one of my presentation skills classes, and his name was Alistair MacDonald. And he was formerly a a journalist. I think he was the environment journalist for the BBC. And I will never forget um, a piece of advice that he gave us that very evening. He said the most beautiful phrase that you can use when you're speaking to an audience is, for example... And again, it's about moving away from that sort of general, broad, abstract language. And instead, you, you zero in on detail. You provide a concrete example of the thing that you're talking about. And observational comedians do this really well. And um, Jerry Seinfeld um, found something interesting in the word building. He said, Why do they call it a building? He asks. And um, it looks like it's finished. They should call it a built. And if you're telling a story about um, a significant moment in your life, like an important speech, give us some detail. And I'm not so much talking about the factual context of the story, the the when, the where, the who, etc. Because you've probably done that in the setup. It's more about something that happened during the talk. I remember a a speech I gave in Romania once where I couldn't get the clicker to advance the slides. Um, I was just starting my presentation. I was clicking away. Nothing happened. It wouldn't advance from slide one to slide two. And I didn't realize that I had the clicker upside down. So I was trying to reverse from slide number one. So obviously nothing happened. And then a techie raced onto the stage and he uh, turned the device the other way around in my hand and and, and I felt like a bit of a dimwit. Um, but um, anyway, I I started off with a giggle and <laughs> it went quite well after that. So detail might also be voicing the phrase someone used in a, in a conversation or a, a misunderstanding that was caused, uh, let's say by predictive text. And, and one of my favourite examples of this was a daughter texting her father. Um, I, I, she was out with her mother somewhere and she wrote, what do you want from life to, to her dad? And he thought, oh, that's it. What a grown up question. Isn't Isn't that wonderful? You're very proud of his daughter for asking such a, a philosophical question. But she actually meant to type, what do you want from little?" so um and i think all of these things help to um paint a, a very vivid picture for your audience it gives them a hook something to latch onto when they might otherwise zone out if all they're being presented with is, is lots of this um you know theoretical abstract language or uh, you know a, a data dump of some kind and point number eight: and um, entertain. If if what you say is all very earnest and serious, it might just come across as a bit dull. Um. So check out one of the other episodes within leaning forward called "Um, How to Use Humor in Business." And um, if people enjoy what you say they're much more likely to remember it and they'll tell others about you and what what you had to say. So levity and gravity can be bedfellows and we sometimes call it light and shade. Um, And I always find that the most powerful and persuasive communicators use this technique frequently. Point number nine is to listen and learn. So listen to whatever interview you've done Um, afterwards to see what my um, friend Bob Buckley calls WWW, uh, which is not World Wide Web, it's What Went Well, um, and RFI, Room for Improvement. Um, So it's helpful to get feedback as well from someone whose opinion you trust, Uh, someone who won't sugarcoat things but will still be very constructive and listen to other popular interviews and um, both on podcasts and in you know things like the Graham Norton show uh, to learn what the best guests do well and if you listen to enough good speakers you'll actually learn by osmosis and it also helps if the host is skilled at their job too because the role of the host is to get the best from the guest Um, But we'll leave that one for a future episode. And finally, number 10 is is an obvious one to finish with. It's to practice both by doing more interviews, um, but also dry runs of interviews with a a trusted friend uh, or, or colleague. Or simply test out your ability to explain concepts and experiences verbally whilst being recorded. I I do hope that you'll take advantage of any opportunity that that comes your way to be interviewed, because it's a great way to build your brand. But I urge you to, to always strive to improve the insights and the stories that you deliver. Go that little bit deeper than other people in your profession might do, because that will help you stand out. That will help you become more of a purple cow, in Seth Godin's words, someone worth talking about. So that's all for now from Leaning Forward. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Um, And of course, please stay tuned in for future episodes.